BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. The legends are true. But overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Donald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. This is a podcast from Minute Media. This is a podcast from Minute Media. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Please welcome your hosts, Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Welcome to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. My name is Matt Connor. It's been a little while. Sterling, I have a feel like I haven't talked to you in like a year. Uh, it's actually been a decade. You've just been bailing on us. You've been down doing your little cruises. I just tried to make a New Year's joke. and then Drinking. My, I hate that joke. It's the same people that say, may the fourth be with you. I love the those same jokes. shit. I love no, dad jokes. I love them. We're leaving that in 1983 where they belong. <laughs> it's going to be May. Oh, all, all right. right. Here this we was go. the Airhead podcast. <laughs> No, I'm You're signing us out. Yeah, dude. I, <laughs> oh, what's worse, Matt's jokes or the Chiefs? Or, nah, it I think they make the Chiefs Matt's were fine. It was, the, it was the refs. Those refs, nothing will top that. I'm still heated. I'm still pissed because you know why? There'll be zero accountability at best. What we're going to get, we'll get a, oh, I'm sorry. We messed up. Doesn't change it. the game. It's it's very frustrating, and I'm not going to blame this on the refs, but they had a new um, statistic that got dropped, and I'm sorry. It's some Twitter account called like Ref Accountability, and it said Kansas City Chiefs had basically 60% of the game <laughs> was based because of the refs, and it's absurd. That should not happen in any game. They said it was the third most uh, since they started keeping track of this it's one of those things where, yes, the refs weren't the main issue. They weren't the only issue, right? The Chiefs could have right. not blitzed on 13-27. They could have scored more than three points in the second half. But when the refs were that blatant, and when you have the opposing quarterback basically singing his praises about how lucky they got on some calls, when Andy yeah. Reid, the gentle giant Andy Reid out here is saying, I don't want to get fined. When asked about his thoughts on the refs, you got to at least say, all right, 
they at least caused some issue in this game. Yeah, yeah. What's really funny to me is you you were quoting a Twitter account that says like ref accountability, like at ref accountability, and I thought that's by far the most ref accountability that the NFL has is this random <laughs> Twitter account that is actually like trying to hold someone accountable. We'll get to all that and a lot more, but uh, just want to say, Sterling, like, how are you doing in the wake of the loss? Like, have you shaken it off? Are you still kind of living with it? Like, like, what's the feeling right now for you? No, I'm fine. I mean, into the day, the Chiefs had won eight straight games before this game, right? You're, you're literally not going to win every single game. One team in the history of the NFL has, that was the Miami Dolphins, and that was a, what, a 14-game season? It's so hard to win every single game in today's NFL. There's so much more parity. Joe Burrow, the Bengals are a very good team. They're a playoff team. Um, I'm fine. Mahomes looked extremely, extremely good in that game. Daryl Williams was getting what he wanted on the ground, 6.3 yards per carry. Derek Gore had 37 yards and three carries. Uh, Byron Pringle looked good himself. The Chiefs just really did themselves a disservice with penalties. Uh, I mean, for example, the touchdown Byron Pringle had that got called back on the kickoff. That was a legitimate penalty. You didn't need a hold in that situation, but he did. That was legit. Um, I, I was a little irritated with Spags in the third and 27. I understand that you're hoping to keep him out of field goal range. I, I understand that. But the majority was Chase. One guy was beaten in the entire game. Why not bring help? Chevarius Ward wasn't like he was getting cooked, getting left for dead out there. He was in the right spot a lot of times. But Jamar Chase is taller. He's more athletic. As a top five draft pick going up and getting the ball. Send some help. Send some yeah. help, Spags. Um, but again, at the end of the day, the main issue I probably had was the Bengals looked like the coaching staff with more experience. They changed. They adjusted. Kansas City didn't. That's probably where I'm at. Chiefs, I'm not scared as far as playoff concerns. The one seed would have been fantastic. But if you would have said, Chiefs, you get the two seed after they were three and four, I would have said, lock that up, take it to the bank. I will take it big picture i'm okay yeah I, I i get that i get that i here's what i think i i'm uh a couple things i have a couple of random thoughts for you i think playing the Bengals in week 17 was much different than if we would have played the Bengals in week two or three right like like this is the kind of young ascending team like joe burrow chase uh, even guys like uh, Mixon, you know, who are like veterans, but still like young as this core plays together. And we've seen this in Kansas city as a coaching staff learns how to use those players. They become a totally different team. And so like, as people were looking at the Bengals and their overall body of work, you think, Oh, they're a very beatable team. They've lost some games. They shouldn't have lost. I'm not scared of anyone from the AFC North, but what I think the Bengals proved in the last two weeks with these mammoth wins and especially offensive performances is who they are right now is not who they were early on. And remember early in the season, we were saying, we were laughing. We were laughing at the AFC going, is there anyone here that you are afraid of? Is there any team who even wants this at all? At the end of the season now, some teams are looking different. The Chiefs 
and the Bengals. And uh, it, it was interesting to me, to their credit, to see a young team look so good now. They've really developed, and we're talking about a different unit there. So, yeah, you know, I, it's hard for me to know what to think of it. I don't even know what to think of the Chiefs at this point. Do you? Like, I feel like anything is possible at any, like, at any time. The Chiefs, though, are about the only team that's going to be in the playoffs realistically that hasn't had a horrible loss. I'm not saying in the sense of score because they had a horrible loss to the Titans, the 27 to three. They've had some poor showings. I'm saying horrible in the fact that they've not lost to the Texans. They've not lost to the Jets or Jacksonville. I mean, the Bills lost to Jacksonville. They don't have that one loss that you're like, how the hell did they lose to that team? That gives me some sort of of hope, and I do think if they play the Bengals again, hopefully Spags and the defense would have learned to, hey, maybe get some help over the top, or maybe they say, you know what? This was a Joe Burrow putting the ball in perfect spots. We don't think he can do that again. Because if you look at it, Chris Jones, the defensive line, was getting some good push almost the entire game. I will say the Bengals adjusted. They started doubling Chris Jones more, and Chris Jones, as great as he was and still winning, when you're getting doubled and chipped, it's very difficult to get sacks and and, and hit Joe. But I, I, again, that's to me what it came down to was the, the Chiefs didn't adjust, the Bengals did, but I'm not worried if they were to play again in the playoffs. Before we take a quick break, I do got to say one of our sponsors blindsided the Players Tribune has launched its first ever mental health podcast called Blindsided. The hosts, formal in in wow, former NHL goalie Corey Hirsch and psychiatrist Dr. Diane McIntosh, uh, show shares the moments for a variety of athletes when everything changed for them and mental health became the most important focus in their lives. It allows listeners to have an understanding of the different types of mental health that challenges that people face. Uh, some of the guests this season have been incredible. Uh, Kevin Love, uh, Kurt Warner, the list goes on and on. So, guys, check it out. Players Tribune, Blindsided, wherever you get your podcast. Really appreciate it. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back right after this. Welcome back to the Arrowhead Attic Podcast with Matt Connor and Sterling Holmes. Matt, we've heard a lot from me. We've heard my thoughts, my very mild takes, it sounds like. How were you feeling, though, after the Chiefs fell to the Bengals? Yeah, um, you know, even when we did the the postgame show with Matt Verderam and Patrick Allen, I said I was fine because, you know, like, I believe in the Chiefs. I still back them up. One loss doesn't change anything. I, I, I'm trying as a fan to get away from a reactionary, like, week-by-week view of the team and because anything can happen at any time in the NFL. So even your better teams or your best teams, like, the season is so long that you're going to have these frustrating hiccups. And if you, like, respond in the moment, like, to, hell yeah, then what the hell happened? Like, if if you make that leap, you're kind of going to (laughs) be... maybe miserable as a fan versus like looking at it. I remember when Todd Haley used to break up the seasons in the quarters. Like, how do we do that quarter? How do we do the second quarter? How do we do the third quarter in, into these like four game mini seasons? And I think that's probably a good way to look at it in that way. So, you know, the, the chiefs just lost one after winning eight straight. What do you do with that? Well, you still feel good about that team, whatever that team is. So 
I have concerns. I have concerns about teams that can step up and punch the Chiefs. I have concerns that the Chiefs defense has a real problem with exemplary offenses. Like like the Bucks, you know, um in the Super Bowl last year were just throwing outside the numbers and doing what like Joe Burrow was a man possessed on Sunday, the way he was like as accurate as he was. So like like when a team steps up and says, Hey, I challenge you to beat us this way. And they're beating you that way. Like you got to adjust. They didn't adjust. They just kept saying, okay, okay. You beat us that time, but you can't do it again. And then they did it again. You're like, okay, okay. You can't beat us that time, but you do it again. Like it, it would be like in basketball. If you're just like playing, you know, like some sort of quick pickup game. And you're like, that guy can't go to his left. And he keeps going to his left and you're like, even like, okay, next basket wins the game. And you're like, but you still can't go to your left. And he's like, dude, I've been kicking your ass going to my left. I'm left-handed asshole. Right, right, right. And you're like, yeah, but you could never do it before. And like, so the whole game you're screaming, but he's going to his fucking left. Defend the fucking left. Right. Like like that. It's like that for me. So. Like that was a real problem for me. I don't think the Chiefs do that again. Um, at the same time, man, the Chiefs have lost to every team that they could face in the playoffs. Like, is does that inspire confidence? It it shouldn't, and yet I'm still confident. And that's why I say, what the hell do we think about this? How like what am I supposed to think? It's really funny because the two teams I'm most scared about as far as the Chiefs playing in the playoffs are two teams that don't have the best record. The Bills, I think the Bills might be the most scary. And second, it's the Chargers. Anytime you you face a division rival a third time, especially one that's gone down to the wire in the other two games, you got to have at least a little bit of trepidation. Justin Herbert gives me a lot of cause to pause for example, the number one seed in the AFC currently, the Titans, scare me probably the least. Ryan Tannehill? You know, who knows what's going to happen with Julio Jones? His hamstrings are not holding up for him. I think their defense can easily be beat. Their offensive line is nothing special. and They've been banged up. I know Mike Vrabel's a solid head coach, and I know all about the run game. I, I get it, but when it comes down to it, Titans don't scare me. The Titans... Hell, they could lose to the Houston Texans, and I would not even be surprised. I mean, hell, I'm going to be a massive Davis Mills and Rex Burkhead fan this week. But again, that that's kind of where I'm at is the AFC is such a jumbled mess. And even after the Chiefs fall, to me, they're still clearly the best team in the NFL. And when it comes to the playoffs, I almost always will side with the good elite quarterbacks. As a Chiefs fan, we've seen time and time again, uh, the Peyton Mannings, right, for the Colts, the Andrew Lux. Um, Just we've seen the better quarterback typically come out on top. Well, now Kansas City has that better quarterback. That's why Carson Wentz and Ryan Tannehill, they don't scare me, but maybe someone like Justin Herbert and Josh Allen, the Bills and the Chargers, they do. Would you put Joe Burrow in that category now? We just watched him up close. Two straight weeks of of really historic stats. Is Joe Burrow growing into that kind of quarterback who's going to be that elite problem in the postseason like what you're talking about? I think he can be. I don't want to do that yet because a lot of quarterbacks have had phenomenal two-game stretches, Yeah, right? Yeah. I, I, 
I, I don't want to say he's arrived because even earlier on this season, he's had some games where he's really struggled. Baker Mayfield's put together two great games before, and he threw he looked horrendous against uh, the Steelers last night, right? So I'm not going to sit here and just say he's arrived, but Joe Burrow certainly looks like he's on his way. So for, for what it's worth, I think he could be that guy maybe next year. Yeah. Is, is there a team? Uh, I mean, because clearly now we're like moving past the Bengals. We're looking ahead. It sounds like we're even looking ahead to the postseason and not worried about, about the Broncos. I, I want to get there in just a second. But to continue the sort of AFC conversation, we're talking about quarterbacks, but what about defenses, right? Championships have been built on defenses before. We've seen some great defenses win the Super Bowl or carry a team to the Super Bowl. Um, is there a defense that's looking like it's going to be a postseason defense that has you worried about the way they would handle or approach the Chiefs? Uh, I would say the Bills. Bills have to be. Uh, just to me, they have the best secondary probably in the AFC. The Steelers, I think, have a very good defense and could give some teams some trouble, but I don't think the Steelers end up making the playoffs personally. I think too much has to go uh, awry in week 18. I for think Jacksonville happen. has to win for them. To yeah, I think them. it was, and maybe it was Jacksonville and the Jets. It was something yeah. <laughs> insane. Um, I think the Houston Oilers have to win <laughs> for them to get in. I think that's the way that works. <sighs> Uh, that was that was actually pretty good. I'll give Thanks. you that one. Thanks. Thanks. But j- may the just, fourth be with you, by the way. Okay. And this was the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. No. There you go. The Bills, again, they're secondary. When you have that much game-changing talent, that's teams that give me concern. The number one defense to me that would give me concern, not in the AFC's action, the NFC, the Rams. They haven't been the most consistent defense, but they have so much talent. I think when the lights come on, I think there is a difference. Those Aaron Donalds, Jalen Ramseys, uh, just whoever you want to say, those big name guys, that's why they get paid. They don't get paid for beating up on the little guys. They get paid because they make their name known in big time situations. But I think the Bills have that, and I think the Rams have that. I think Tampa Bay has that. But in the AFC, it's just the Bills that give me any sort of cause to pause. Yeah. Yeah, I, I um, you know, I get what you're saying for sure. I. I, I want to, are you, con, are you concerned? Here's what, here's my concern. I don't, there are a number of NFC teams that scare me far more than any AFC team. Would you agree with that statement? Yeah. 100% agree. Okay. okay. Yeah. The AFC just to me, there's the AFC seems like there's a lot of good teams, but then the chiefs, the NFC seems like there's a lot of potential great teams but no one's really running away with it. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, it'll be interesting to me to see in the Super Bowl, like whoever comes out and hopefully it's the chiefs, how that will look. Let's, let's shift gears here because we're getting ahead of ourselves. Week 18 Denver Broncos, right? Um, Dalton's out uh, along the line. Lock is in at quarterback. Uh, We've got more um, injury stuff happening for the Denver do you think Denver's checked out and just ready to go to the offseason? I mean, like, like what are we going to see here in this last week? Is it going to be smoke them and, and resting starters by the by the second half? I hope so, but if, honestly, no. I, I don't think Denver's checked out. First off, Drew Locke is playing for a, a job. 
I mean, if he comes out and shits the bed, he may not be in the NFL. Like he, he there's a potential that he becomes uh, Josh Rosen, right? Like I, I like Drew Locke, and I think there's a lot more potential there. I think his arm strength is incredible. He's got good mobility, but he's not put it all together in the NFL. That much is 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 clear. So I think he needs a big game to show that hey, Denver, I'm still the guy. Or two, if not. Some other team take a chance on me. I still deserve a spot in the NFL. So I think Drew Locke has a lot to play for. I think some of those wide receivers, they have a lot to play for. The Tim Patricks, uh, the Albert O's at tight end, uh, Noah Font. Like, I, I do think that they have a decent amount to play for because when you're one of these middling teams, jobs are on the line. Contracts are on the line. They're not just going to give up and roll over. And then obviously Vic Fangio. Fangio's trying to keep his job. He he came out and basically said when when asked by a reporter, "Do you feel like you deserve another year?" He's like, "Oh hell yeah! Like I I I think I'm the guy." What's he gonna say? Of course he's gonna he's gonna say that. But still, he knows that he's in the hot seat. He knows if he loses and they end up, what would that be? Seven and ten, I think. Well, that would be. Are they seven and nine right now? I, I thought they were seven and nine. Right. Either way, if they lose and go under five hundred, whatever it is. He knows his ass is on the line. Yeah. I, I don't think Denver's going to roll over. They, they've not shown to do that in a pass in, in a, you know, conference game like this. I, I, as much as I would like to see Chad Henney start in the third corner quarter, I, uh, I find that tough to believe. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, um, I'd love to see it. You know, obviously we'd love to see more rest for all those guys. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think, uh, you know, Denver is going to try to play them tough. The last one was 22 to nine. It wasn't close. Denver's offense couldn't get anything going. Chiefs defense knows how to handle these guys. And I'm not scared of Locke. You, you've got this homerism. How much, how much of your love for or belief in Drew Locke is your Mizzou roots, your alumnus loving <laughs> whatever you call it right uh, and, and how much of it is is no i'm telling you this guy is real and and could be someone somewhere else i think a lot of it is because i watched him play a lot at mizzou and so that's probably why i have this this mindset i'm sure if i saw josh rosen in college watched every single one of his games and saw some of his arm strength and some of the things he did i might have the same mindset and just I'm blind to the fact that he can't do in the NFL. Drew Locke seems like a very good dude. Uh, I, that's a part of it, too. I think he seems like a guy who – his comments to start the season when he, he found out Teddy was going to be the starter, nothing but praise for Teddy. He's going to go to work, do all the right things. He seems to have the right mindset. It just all comes down to can he actually read an NFL defense, and that's the hard part that comes with, with experience. It comes with playing time. It's not something you can just learn by sitting on the bench, right? That's what makes it difficult for guys like Drew Locke and Denver's in this precarious situation. It seems like ever since Peyton Manning left of, well, how much time does a guy need? Yeah. How much time can we afford to give a guy? Um, because they've had decent teams outside of a quarterback and that's yeah. been this, this huge, huge issue. So, um, so to is answer that- your question, yeah, part of it is I Mizzou and me. I'm looking at Denver just thinking, is that the most depressing quarterback carousel of any team out there? Because I'm thinking, you know, it's like Trevor Simeon to Brock Osweiler to Paxton Lynch to Locke to Teddy Bridgewater. 
I mean, I mean, I think it's made more, more depressing by the fact that, you know, we've got killer targets for anyone to throw to, right? I mean, it's not like, I don't know. It's not like Gardner Minshew throwing to like Chris Conley's your best receivers. I mean, like, you know, it's not something like that, you know, like it's got, like you've got pro bowl caliber players. You've got high investment players who aren't bus. And yet like the front line is totally a, a bunch of turnstiles. Most, most positions or has been at least in the, in the past. And the quarterbacks are just so horrible. Or like Teddy Bridgewater, the ceiling is so low. You're basically like walking into a hobbit house. <laughs> I, again, I for, I for one with Teddy Bridgewater, it never made much sense to me. With Teddy, your 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 ceiling is maybe nine wins, maybe, and you know you're not going to do anything in the playoffs. Your your margin for error with Teddy Bridgewater is all right. We have to win games twenty one to to eighteen. Like you can't if we score twenty one. Let's let's just rely on the defense and try and get out of here. That's not the way to win, in my opinion, today's NFL. The Browns had a good case, and after looking at Baker Mayfield this season, they they might still have a a, a pretty damn good case. Uh, yeah. Baker Mayfield, that shoulder, I think, is the majority of the reason. But I would not be comfortable if I was a a Cleveland Browns fan at what they've seen at quarterback ever since what, like ninety nine. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You're right about that. You're right about that. Interestingly, you know, they've got that decision with the contract there and even Lamar Jackson, would you pay Lamar? You have to, right? I think you kind of have to. That's that tough situation of. That's the worst words to use for paying a quarterback is you kind of have to. It worked for Dak Prescott. Dak looks like he's worth the money now. Uh, and I was a huge Dak hater. I Again, I, I'm always a fan of paying, especially quarterbacks, early rather than later for this exact reason. Right, quarterbacks right. are the most expensive position. You probably could have gotten Dak for maybe $28 million a year. Now you're paying him some absurd number. Lamar Jackson, you probably could have gotten for less, but now you're probably going to have to pay more just because on the open market, some team like Denver <laughs> would probably come out and offer him uh, an obscene amount of money. That's the that's the the issue is there's not these there's not 32 elite quarterbacks, right? There's a handful of elite quarterbacks at this point. Mahomes, Rodgers, maybe Tom Brady could say you could Josh Allen, Herbert, whatever, whatever you want to say. Is Lamar one of those guys? Well, he's won an MVP. He's consistently gone to the playoffs. It might not be the traditional way. He doesn't have the arm of Mahomes or these other guys, but he finds a way to get it done. You can't argue with wins. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. Let me, uh, let me, let me couple things here. I'd love to give a segment to some overlooked or maybe you'd say unsung heroes. Yeah. Cause like, we're always talking about like the big guys, right? We're talking about for the Bengals, you're talking about Burrow and Jamar Chase, you know, for the, for the chiefs, you're talking about, you know, Mahomes, whatever, like who, like looking back on Sunday, or even the last few Sundays, is there someone that you're like, you know what? Everyone should be talking more about this guy. And if I had the chance, I'd love to talk more about this guy. Like I've got one and I'd love to hear who yours would be there. I got about just four, to give, so I'll let you go first. I don't well, want to take okay. your dude. No, you know, cause here's what I think. Here's what I think. I've kind of sort of felt bad for Joe Tooney all season. Although I don't feel bad for guys who make like $85 million over the course of five years. Right. So, so sympathy is not my thing there, but um, like, here's a guy 
who you know was was like the big ticket free agent but was immediately overshadowed by the chase for a tackle it was like oh we're going we're going for Tooney and Trent Williams and then when it wasn't Trent Williams then it was you know the the trade for Orlando Brown the moment all the guys line up suddenly everyone's going bananas over the rookies which they should Trey and Creed Humphrey um and then Orlando Brown's the one who gets the pro bowl nod over all of them in the first place Meanwhile, all season long, we've watched Joe Tooney play lunch pail football without missing a beat. The dude, what, breaks his hand, still goes back at it. The guy's like, oh, you're out of tackles? Just let me slide over like it's no big deal, even though everyone else is like, oh, it's crazy to have to switch positions sometimes. It's harder than you think. Like Tooney's just, it's amazing. He's everything they're paying him for and more. On a team, let's be honest, every other guy the Chiefs have paid big, big money to along the lines, offensive, defense, there are moments when we're like, uh, is he going to do what we would need him to do for all that big money? Joe Tooney's the guy in the trenches on either side who's like, man, I never have to worry one snap about whether Joe Tooney's doing what we need Joe Tooney to do. Oh, hell yeah. That was one of my four, but yeah, hell yeah. Joe Tooney has been incredible. Broken hand, and he says, bleep it. I'm good. How the hell do you block with a broken hand? You have 300-plus-pound dudes coming at you, and you're trying to hold them off with broken hand. Dude, you just need one Tooney hand is two normal hands. Oh, man. And then left tackle, he was incredible. I mean, he was incredible against the Bengals. I... Joe Tooney deserves a lot of credit. I think Andrew Wiley yeah. deserves a lot of credit. Uh, I know he's not going to be as good as a premier right tackle. He's not going to be as good as whoever you probably want him to be. But guess what? He's not getting paid to be like that. He's not paid to be a starting tackle. He's done a great job in a pinch as your third string right right tackle, getting in there and getting the job done. Andrew Wiley was getting a big push. Um, I, I just think he deserves more credit because I heard heard him getting some strays on Twitter. People were like, oh, well, well, Wiley had a bad game. What do you expect? Like, come on. He's not yeah. Joe Tooney. He's not getting paid 20 million a year. He's yeah. not Orlando Brown. Orlando Brown had some struggles a lot. And I feel like he didn't catch as much grief as Andrew Wiley did. So I want to give a shout out to Andrew Wiley. He's come up big and helped gel very quickly when he didn't get a ton of opportunities to do that. Love that. Love that. Uh, Sterling, I'd love to close with this. The chiefs have a pretty big range of possibilities here. If they win on Sunday and the Titans fall to the mighty Davis mills led Houston Texans, they can actually win the number one seed. However, what seems a little bit more realistic and, and I hope to be wrong here. If they win, they secure the number two seed. But if they lose to the Broncos, they're at the mercy of any other division leader in the AFC. Meaning, if the Bills win, they fall below the Bills. And if the Bengals win, they fall below the Bengals. Meaning that it's possible for them to slide all the way to number four, which means playing a road game on wildcard weekend. Right? Anything's possible ranging from we don't play on wildcard weekend to we play wherever someone else tells us to go. Where do you predict things are going to fall when all is said and done there? Man, 
honestly the two seed. Like, I know it's the cop-out answer, but I don't see Tennessee losing to Houston. As much as I want them to, and I think it's possible, I just don't think it's extremely realistic. I I think the Chiefs take care of business against Denver. Like I said, I don't think Denver rolls over, but the Chiefs are just way more talented. The Chiefs win. Titans win. Chiefs go in with the two seed. And you know what? That's an extra playoff game, baby. That's an extra week of Chiefs football. That's that's how I'm going to look at it. <laughs> Boy, that is the best way to... I, I got inspired just listening to you say it. I was like, wait, yeah, I want an extra week too. That sounds great. Uh, yeah, I think you're totally right. Number two seed, it just, you know, if the Titans lose to the Texans with this much on the line, I want to take back everything I've ever said about Mike Vrabel. Like, just come on. Although... We've planted David Culley down there in Houston. Maybe Legend. this was the long-term play. Maybe this was... By the way, they have Eric Murray as a starting safety down there. They have Tremont Smith as like a real contributor. I don't know what's going on. Maybe there's enough ex-Chiefs down there to get the job done. <sighs> we will see. Anyway, Sterling, you got any parting thoughts for us before we head out of here? Oh, everyone have a good new year. Uh, Stay safe. Have fun. Let's just enjoy what we're witnessing right here, which has been some incredible stretch of Chiefs football, whether they get the one seed or the two seed. Come on this. We're in the glory days. (laughs) Sit back and relax and and let's let's try to remember this and, and maybe just maybe myself included not try to complain so much about it. Folks, by the way, I haven't seen Sterling take a single drink but he just wished everyone a happy new year on January the 4th. So I'm just not sure what's up. It's uh, come on. It's like our first podcast since then. Get, I, come I guess I'll slide us out because I can't trust you to even know the date. My name is Matt Connor. I've been with the, the obviously inebriated Sterling Holmes. <laughs> He's at home stretch. KC at Matt Connor, AA tune in on Thursday for Matt Verderam and Patrick Allen for a live show. Looking at the, Broncos game up close. We'll be back at you in a couple weeks. And uh, thanks for listening. This is the Arrowhead Attic Podcast. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.